Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. We're going to sing this at the end of the service. Uh, that'd be a pretty good deal, wouldn't it? No guilt in life. How many of you like to have no guilt in life? Okay, that makes only like about a third of you. I, you, you enjoy the guilt of I mean, the rest of you? What's the deal? Um, no guilt in life, no fear in death. Are you like Woody Allen who famously said, I'm not afraid to die, I just don't want to be there when it happens? Uh, but no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. This is why we celebrate. Christ is, uh, is the one who uh, makes this possible through the gospel. And He is the source of all wisdom. The book of Colossians says, In Him, in Christ, is hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So He is the author of wisdom, which means He is the author of the book of Proverbs. He's the hero of the book. Solomon got his name on it because he wrote the majority of them. He did not write all of them, you will see as we walk through it. But um, Christ, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, God come in the flesh, God the Son is the hero of the book of Proverbs. He provides it for you and for uh, me. Now, it's one thing almost all of us know intuitively that we need wisdom. Almost all of us would would know that because no one's born wise, remember? No one's born understanding all the complexities of, of life. No one's born wise. We all know we need wisdom, but it's that that's a good thing, but it's not enough to no, we need it. We need to know where to find it. Now, last week we found the beginning step. The fear of the Lord, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge. The reverent, uh, awe-filled reverence, worship, submission to God who is up there, out there, and the God who also draws near is the beginning, the worship of God. Uh, choosing to no longer be our own God, but making Him our God, bowing before Him, uh, become, repenting, becoming open and receptive, not only to His warnings and instruction, but also to His correction when we are out of line, when we are sinful, when we are in the ditch, when we are at best doing something that is, that is not wise. The second step He jumps right into in, in the eighth verse of the entire book. The first step, he tells us in verse 7, we go to verse 8. And he says, here's where you find wisdom. And, and Gary, just let me telegraph the punch here. Here's the, here's the punch. Wisdom comes from his word. Right up front, he says this. Now remember, the, the, the motif of the book of Proverbs is God speaking to us in, as a father speaks to a son coming of age, a father or a mother homeschooling their son. Now, not homeschooling in the sense that many of you do, where you're teaching, reading, writing, and arithmetic, but homeschooling in all of the critical knowledge for living life successfully, about what matters, about God, about man, about where we came from, who we belong to, what we are here for, 
where we are going, how we navigate finances and sex and the use of words and rulers and uh, violent men and uh, finances and our physical well-being, on and on and on, uh, the critical realms of life, giving us wisdom, which is defined in the Bible as the ability to live in a way that pleases God. The ability to live in a way that pleases God. And so in verses 8 and 9, we're going to jump right in this morning, uh, we find these words, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and don't reject your mother's teaching, for they will be a garland of grace on your head and a gold chain around your neck. This is God saying, listen to me, listen to God your father's instruction, and don't reject my teaching, for they will be a garland of grace on your head and a gold chain around your neck. He said, there's a reason to listen. This is the way that I will cleanse and beautify your life. This is the way to have a winsome life. This is the way to have a beautiful life. This is the way to, to live well. Uh, we're calling Proverbs a field guide for good living. And that's what he says here. Now, on the screen, you'll see an image of Michael Phelps celebrating one of his gold medal victories in the Olympics. And you'll see on his head a, a, a laurel wreath or an olive wreath. And you'll see him holding up his gold medal. Well, verse 9 refers to this in the ancient games when someone would uh, be the, the champion of an, of an event in the ancient games, uh, they would place on their heads a gold wreath and evidently also a gold chain uh, around their, their neck, symbolizing uh, that uh, greatness and honor and success. Uh, that, and so he's saying here that my words will do this for your life. A garland of grace on your head and a gold chain around your neck. You want to live the way life was intended to live? Then listen. Listen to me. Because wisdom comes from the Word. Listen to this. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 19, verse 7, Instruction of the Lord is perfect. Renewing one's life, the testimony of the Lord is trustworthy. Making the inexperienced wise. Now we learned last week that the inexperienced here, sometimes he refers to as the young, sometimes as the naive, sometimes as the simple. Now, but that's not a critical word. It just means someone who's not lived long enough to know. Just inexperienced, not, not understanding how life really works. But he says, your testimony, Lord, your words are trustworthy, making the inexperienced, making the naive wise, making the naive shrewd, cunning in the very best sense of the word, as Jesus would say it, wise as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, beginning in verse 98 through 100, your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are always with me. I have more insight than all my teachers because your decrees are my meditation. I understand more than the elders because I obey your precepts. And in Verse number 130 of that very same psalm. The Bible says, The revelation of your words brings light and gives understanding to the inexperienced. Now, but to gain wisdom, to gain this wisdom, all of the benefits, all of the beauty for our lives that God intends, the wisdom and the skill to live in a way that pleases God, He says, first of all, we need to listen. Listen, this, this, this 
very first word of chapter 8 is shouted by the writer. It, it, is, a, it is an emphatic word. It is a, a, a word of command. It is an imperative. It's not just, it's, it's you shouting to your kids who aren't listening, Listen! Now why does he do that? It's because we have a hard time listening. We have a hard time listening. Listen, my son, to your father's instructions. This is a, a Hebrew word that means listen up. Pay attention to, be attentive to, give ear to. This is a command. He's saying be receptive. Jesus called it having ears to hear. Willingness to listen. Being teachable, being eager and open to God's Word. We ask ourselves the diagnostic question last week. Well, how are we doing with that? How are you doing with that? How receptive right now are you to God's instructions or warnings? And how receptive are to you His are you to his correction right now? His discipline said, no, that you're, not on, that you're not just mistaken, you're sinful. You're not just a mistaker, you're a, a sinner in need of my help. You've got to get out of the ditch. This is not the way to do it. We come, how receptive are you to that? Because that is the fear of the Lord, being open, being teachable, being receptive. Humility means teachable. I, I Teach me, God. Show me. Correct me. Give me a spanking when I need it. I know you had my best interest at heart. And so uh, he's saying, listen, listen, listen. And, and the, so the writer says here, those who are wise and intentional eagerly receive this instruction and teaching, but those who are fools reject it. All through the book of Proverbs, we are reminded to listen to God's Word. I mean, just let me rip through it. Run really quick. Uh, take a deep breath and let's sprint. In chapter 4, verse 1, Listen, my sons, to a father's discipline and pay attention. In Proverbs 4, verse 10, uh, Listen, my son, accept my words. In verse 20 of chapter 4, My son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. In Proverbs 5, 1, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen closely to my understanding. In verse 7 of chapter 5, Now, my sons, listen to me. And don't turn away from the words of my mouth. In chapter 7, verse 24, Now, my sons, listen to me and pay attention to the words of my mouth. In chapter 8, verse 32, Now, my sons, listen to me. In Proverbs 19, verse 20, Listen to counsel and receive instruction. In Proverbs twenty-two seventeen, Listen closely. Pay attention to the words of the wise. Apply your mind to my knowledge. Proverbs 23, 19. Listen, my son. Proverbs 23, 22. Listen to your father who gave you life and don't despise your mother when she's old. He almost repeats word for word what he said in chapter 1, verse 8. There. Over and over and over again, he reminds us as we're going through this great book of wisdom, listen! Because we need to be reminded to listen. Because remember... In the Bible sense of the word, to listen means to hear with the intent of doing. Not just to gain intellectual knowledge or, or, or increase our stack of facts that we know, but to listen means to do. In the book of James, God says, don't be a, a listener only, merely a hearer of God's word, but a doer of God's word. In God's wisdom, He says, you, you don't know wisdom, you do wisdom. If you're not doing wisdom, you have no wisdom. Do it. Listen. Listen. 
Now, another big point, we can go back and remind ourselves that almost a year ago in our last spiritual growth campaign, our 40 days in the Word, we learned five ways to listen to God's Word, five methods. So let's remind ourselves, hold up your hand like this. Everybody hold up your hand like this. Like really hold up your hand like this. That's not a rhetorical thing. Okay, remind ourselves, we got five fingers that help us get a grip on God's Word, and here they are. Hear it, read it, study it, memorize it, meditate upon it. Hear it, read it, study it, memorize it, meditate upon it. When you use all five fingers, you can get a darn good grip on God's Word. And the Bible says when you get a a good grip on God's Word, He gets a good grip on you, on your heart, to guide you and direct you and help you and keep you. And so we we learned that. Now, uh, if uh, just a reminder, uh, do this. If you need a Bible, we've got a Bible table out here today. Go out and get one. If you're going to like get the Bible into your life, it'd help to have one. And so go get one. Go get one and start start internalizing it. I recommend that you get a free one by downloading it on your smartphone or your 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 tablet. I recommend you version. Uh, jot that down. Go to that website there and download it. It's free. You'll have more English translations of the Bible than you can ever read and almost every language that we can identify in the world. And so if your heart language is other than English, they'll most likely have the Bible in your heart language. And so download it and get with it. Uh, If you'd like to, we don't have time to go back and teach all these methods of internalizing God's Word that we took six or seven weeks last fall. But if you will go to this website, dogwoodchurch.info forward slash podcast, go to our podcasts and scroll back. We've got all of those messages that we taught throughout the 40 Days of the Word campaign on there. Subscribe to our podcast. You can listen to it uh, going to and from work. Remind yourselves, get a refresher. It's always a good thing to do that. Now, as we hear and read and study and memorize and meditate upon God's Word, our minds and hearts become a reservoir of biblical truth and wisdom. And God uses it to... He, it seeps down into our souls and our minds and permeates our spirits and is available so that when we live moment by moment each day, it's there to guide us and warn us and correct us and encourage us and comfort us and strengthen us. The Scriptures say it this way. Wisdom comes from the Word. Look at Proverbs, all through Proverbs, chapter 4, beginning in verse 1 through 4. Listen, my sons, to a father's discipline and pay attention so that you may gain understanding, for I am giving you good instruction. Don't abandon my teaching. When I was a son with my father and tender and precious to my mother, he taught me and said, here we go, your heart must hold on to my words. Circle that phrase. Hold on to. That means get a grip on my words. That they they stick within you. And he says, keep my commands and live. If you want to live, know them. Keep them. Hold on to my words because wisdom comes from the Word. He goes on to emphasize this in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 20 through 23. My son, keep your father's command and don't reject the teaching of your mother. Look at verse 21. Always bind them to your heart. Tie them around your neck. Now, 
God's ancient people, the Hebrews, took these words so seriously that they crafted little leather pouches called phylacteries and they tied them to their foreheads and to their right hands and they would place uh, handwritten copies of important scriptures inside those little uh, boxes just to remind them. I mean, faithful Jews do this uh, today uh, for important ceremonies. Now, they know well, they, they, they know well that just the physical act of tying them to our forehead and our right hand, that that was not the point. The point was to internalize the, the, the Scriptures. And these are great mechanisms that our Jewish brothers and sisters use to remind them of the greater truth. I mean, get it in your mind. Get it in you know, your mind what you think, in your hands what you do. Work it all the way out to your, what you're doing in life because it's, it's not, wisdom is not knowing it, it's doing. It's not wisdom till it gets to the doing of it. Uh, they would also uh, put on the doorposts of their homes what is called a mezuzah. And also in the, the mezuzah would be little pieces of paper with the handwritten key scripture passages on those as a reminder to every time they came in and out of their house. Your coming and your going was an Old Testament phrase that meant all of your life all of your life, it reminds that God's Word is to be in our heart, in our soul, and in our mind, guiding us, correcting us, teaching us, making wise uh, the, the simple. And here's what happens when we do so. Verse 22, When you walk here and there, they will guide you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. When you wake up, they will talk to you. For a command is a lamp. Teaching is a light and corrective discipline is a way uh, of life. This reminds me of the verse, one of the six verses we all memorized together as a church last fall. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light on my path. So Proverbs continues to shout to you and me, first of all, you want wisdom? Good. Wisdom comes from the Word. You may can pick it up somewhere else in addition to, but you will never get God's wisdom until you start getting it from the Word first, His own Word. He says in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 2 and 3, Keep my commands and live. Protect my teachings as the pupil of your eye. There's a word picture. Is, your, is the pupil of your eye important to you? If you sat next to a bunch of smart alecks in school like I did all the time, you'd be sitting there and you'd look over and they'd go, what do, you, what do you do when you cover your eye? Something comes at your eye? We have a, God's created an involuntary reflex when we sense something's coming to our eye that we, we protect the pupil of our eye. It's so important God put an automated response in our being. He said, guard these in your heart like the pupil of your, your eye. Tie them to your fingers. Here we go. Here's a picture. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, out of all the methods, hearing, reading, studying, and so on, to internalize God's Word, many, many followers of Jesus, wise in the ways of Jesus down through the last two uh, millennium, would say that Scripture memorization is the most powerful spiritual activity that helps them grow in relational closeness to Jesus and become more like Him. Scripture memorization. Write it on the tablet of your heart. Uh, 
It is the most powerful, helpful way of reflecting on the Scriptures. Memorize it. Have you noticed, educators say this, that thoughts disentangle themselves when they pass over the lips and through the fingertips. When you see something, you'll remember it a little bit. When you, when you see it and hear it, you'll remember a little more. But, but when you take a pen or a pencil and paper and write it out, now I'm, I'm, let's jump, let's hydroplane past texting and ty- even typing. And you actually write something out in full, complete sentences and words with capitalization and proper grammar. Uh, you you retain more. You're more careful. You get really really clear when you have to put when you when you write out God's word. When you the picture is writing it on your heart, focusing intently. God says that He will place His word in our hearts by His Spirit, and it will guide us. We memorize it, and powerful things happen when we memorize. God's Word, I asked, uh, I emailed about 200 of our Dogwood Church family and said, I need some help with my sermon. And just so you know, I'm always needing help with my sermon. But uh, I asked for some specific help. I said, would you, would you tell me the Scriptures, if you have memorized Scriptures that God has used to significantly help you in your life? I got, I got, thank you. I got so many stories, I can't read them Oh, just a fraction. Here's one. A good friend and fellow church member wrote this. Here's, here are her words. The morning I started chemotherapy, I woke up early and the first verse that popped into my head was Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad, I thought. Well, I'm not happy about getting poison put into my veins to kill cancer and lose my hair and all those things. And But then I thought, yes, this is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice because today starts my healing process. And I have that verse in so many places in my home now. My discipleship girls gave me a beautiful bracelet with that verse on it. I love it and I'm so thankful that I had memorized it before that day. Here, now, 11 years later, I still love that verse. Someone else wrote, my key verse God uses that's internalized, that's written on my heart is Habakkuk. Chapter 2, verse 3. Remember what we always say about Habakkuk? How many of you have ever read the book Habakkuk? Yes, huh? You know, what are you going to do when you get to heaven? And Habakkuk walks up to you and says, how would you like my book? You know, so, you know, it's short, I'd read it. But here's the verse. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It testifies about the end and will not lie. Though it delays, wait for it, since it certainly will come and not be late. Here's what she wrote. I prayed over this verse for years because God told me a certain man was to be my husband, but that I needed to wait on him. You see, I was never a patient person. I always wanted things to happen like yesterday and tried to make my will a priority. My husband has a rare liver disease that only occurs in men over the age of 40. It's so rare that it only affects one out of, um, 
1.1 million being diagnosed with this disease, he felt it would be a burden. He would be a burden to me as sick as he was, so he chose to pray and wait on God to get healthier, which of course was in God's plan all along. So God gave me this verse and told me to wait, which is something I always dreaded. You see, patience works in our hearts. I, I continued daily to pray over this verse and wait for the man that God told me was to be my husband. Even though waiting was one of the hardest things I have ever done, I now can say I'm forever grateful to my Lord for blessing me with this word and the best husband ever. If I had not waited and prayed, I would not be so fulfilled. I'm so happy being married to him, I can break out and dance to the happy song. I know who this is, and I'd really like to see that, actually. So now in life, things don't seem so important to have to happen right away. I know now God is in control, and His timing is the gift and the reward for prayer. Another member wrote, my verse is Psalm 56.3, Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in Thee. This is one of my favorite verses. It not only gives me comfort when I feel alarmed, but I taught it to my children, especially my youngest, who was afraid of storms. I would ask him, what's your verse? And say it with him, and it always seemed to calm his fears. One of my friends wrote, my verse is Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Keith, when I see a beautiful woman or an attractive woman seems attracted to me, I immediately say to myself, based on this verse, this woman is not God's plan for my life. My wife is. Early in our marriage, even though I was already a Christian, I did not have this verse on my heart. I was away on business and the rest of the story ended with sin. Yet years later, I confessed this sin to my wife and eventually she forgave me, although she's never forgotten. The healing process for me and my wife was extremely painful and in retrospect so unnecessary. I know I'm forgiven by God and even though I'm still tempted from time to time, I know God's plan now for my life includes only the wife of my youth and no one else. I had an opportunity using this verse to keep a business associate from making the same mistake I made. He thanked me later, years later as he dealt with his wife's terminal illness. I thank God that through my error and His grace, at least one other guy, was kept from making the same terrible mistake. I am also grateful that for my wife's forgiveness and for the chance to prove I'm following God's plan. Here's what happens. When we get the wisdom from the Word, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 5 and 6 comes true. The Scriptures say, God says, Look, I have taught you statutes and ordinances as the Lord my God has commanded me so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to possess. Carefully follow them, for this will show your wisdom in the eyes of the peoples. Now, when I started this, got into this sermon and you realized I was going to be once again talking about internalizing God's Word, Bible intake, some of you said, I know this, I know it, I know it, I know it. You, I, you could, I could preach this sermon. You've done it a million times. I already know 
I already know the hand, get a grip on God's Word, hear, read, study, memorize, meditate. Yes, 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 I already know. Memorize God's Word, it'll guide us. Tell me something I don't know. Well, let's remind ourselves of God's definition of wisdom. The Western culture, our Western way of thinking is we define knowledge as knowing what is right, what is good, what is true, and what is wise in all situations. Knowing what is wise. And then we spend our life figuring out maybe how to do it. The ancient Hebrews and God and who inspired these writers considered that utter nonsense. Utter nonsense. God defines wisdom as knowing and what? Doing it. So how you, are you doing if you already know this? You memorize a verse? What was your verse last week? I'm going to do a pop quiz. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to... I'm not. I mean, how did you do? Did you internalize God's Word? Did you memorize a verse? How about the week before, maybe? Well, let's cut a little slack. How about last month? Or the month before that? Because Proverbs, God in Proverbs defines, says that knowing what is wise and not doing it is the definition of what? Fools. We all become fools. I become fools in the, a fool in this area from time to time. So, God, we need help with our foolishness. This is why... Jesus is the hero of Proverbs, not us, not Solomon. It's reminded, even, no, even when we know what to do and what's good and what's wise, we can't do it all the time. We need God's grace. We need God's amazing grace. We need the gospel. We need to trust in His righteousness, not our own. And so I want to give you the opportunity to do that. We're going to move into a time of prayer. Uh, you just turn the place where you're seated into your own personal, private place of prayer. And, and maybe like me, as I got prepared for this message again this week, said, Lord, I've been a fool. I, I've gone a long time without, again, practicing the habit of mem writing your words on my, the tablet of my heart. Help me. Help me with that. That I may know you better. That I may love you more. That I may follow you. You may have other issues that you need help with. Why don't you pray? Let's pray together, and I'll close our prayer time in just a minute.
Heavenly Father, we pray to you because we believe you hear us when we pray and you do some things when we pray that you don't do when we don't pray. So I pray now that you would help us to open our eyes and recognize your activity in our lives today and the rest of this week in response to our prayers to you, that our trust in you would increase, that our love for you would increase, that our faith in you would increase. Enable us by your amazing grace to get wisdom from your word. And Lord, I thank you that when we do fail, when we aren't wise, and when we're even sinful, that we still trust in your amazing grace demonstrated to us when you died on the cross in our place and rose from the dead and that because of our faith in you, you have justified us with the Heavenly Father and declared us righteous and adopted us as your children and given us the gift of eternal life and the indwelling presence of your Holy Spirit to empower us, to be at work in us both to desire and do what you want us to desire and do, both to will and to work for your good pleasure, both to desire and do things that please you. So teach us wisdom. Teach us to live in a way that pleases you. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.